listening to Thanks Cancer. I'm Mimi Hall. I'm Leanna House. We're two cancer friends. We are not doctors. No, and we're not shrinks. We're not nurses or anything like it. And because of that, we are going to use some appropriately obscene language. Let's just call it salty. Anyway, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish we had when we were dealing with our treatment. So what are we talking about today, Memes? All right. So what we're talking about today is the day that we found out that we had a cancer diagnosis. Hmm. Sounds terrible. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say again, (laughs) I think it was a really dark shadow and an inflection point. Not the best day. It was a changing point. It's one of those moments in life where you're like, who the hell do I call first? And you feel the weight of that. And, and all feel, of all of the repercussions. Yeah, the weight of that news. Yeah. It's a Rubicon. Okay, so who, first of all, how did you get told? So I got told, um, I'd been playing phone tag with the nurse from Dana-Farber. Okay. And I'd been working like a crazy person all day, and I had just left the office. I'd left the kitchen. Um, and I was walking back home, and I finally got connected to them when I got to post office square park which is one of my favorite parks and um she said yeah I'm really sorry I have bad news and that's pretty much all it takes like you know it's like descending (laughs) and you you're you know you're going deep and you know you're on your way down and then and what was interesting to me is like she was and I think it's great she was really calm about delivering the news because this is what she does for a living every day (laughs) That is a terrible job. It's a really, really weird juxtaposition to the way one feels. Um, she was very chipper and very, very um, <laughs> optimistic. You always want your nurse to be chipper when telling you you have cancer. Exactly. So I found that out. And um, I found out, I mean, I, I she was using a lot of lingo, like, you know, metastatic. Not metastatic. She was using... Um, I'm actually malignant. Malignant, yeah, malignant. Um, That's you know, the bad kind. Yeah, malignancy of the duct and da 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 da. And at this point, it's not even worth talking about what I heard because I, I, I heard, I heard my diagnosis, but it meant nothing. Yeah. And to me, it just sounded like you have cancer. You're gonna have to start doing those walks and <laughs> be a survivor. And wear pink. I, I knew I wasn't gonna wear fucking pink. <laughs> Screw that. So I knew that. Um, but then it was immediately the next wave, um, which we can talk about next after I hear your story um, of, okay, now who do I share this with in my life? So that's like, okay. there's the initial news, which is like a punch in the gut, but you're almost in a state of suspended animation. Okay. And it's really scary to have all that knowledge. Yeah. And it's a precious moment too, right? Oh. It's a precious moment. Well, it's a precious moment. It's like you're holding a chalice of some sort and you're like, I guess I could keep it a secret. I mean, I could never do that, but some people do. Some people do. Some people do. People are crazy. So well, people are surviving. Uh, okay, so I want to hear about how you how you discovered. So I was at the beginning of my day. Um, I don't like that. Right. It was eight a.m. and I was getting ready for work and I was doing my you know routine and having a cup of tea and relaxing, and I got a phone call and this is from a woman that I know. <gasps> I worked with her in the past, and she told me that it was malignant and it was cancer, and I was like, oh, okay. She's like, and you don't have to think about this now, (laughs) but you should be thinking about whether or not you want to do reconstruction. I'm like, wow, this this is a weird place to go, but yes, I guess, I mean, what's the opposite of... 
what do you do if you don't get reconstruction? Like, just be demolished. You be deconstructed. <laughs> you be de- So it was kind of a weird thing. And then I don't remember a lot of what she mm-hmm. said. But at the end of the call, she asked me, well, who is there with you now? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no one is with me. She's like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have told you. Maybe she should have asked the question. Wow. Anyway, so that was... <laughs> Um, that was unpleasant. So, yeah. And then I had to deal with going to work or not going to work. Yeah. And I had never called in sick to this job before. And I was like, well, clearly I can't go to work, so I have to call in sick. Can I do a phone call? I'm like, I don't think I can be on the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. Can I write an email? And I wrote an entire email before deciding that the email... Like, I should go in because I live five minutes away from work. And then I had to Google how to stop crying. (laughs) What did it say? It was like... (laughs) Put a cold compress on your forehead. Yeah. No, there were were a lot of ideas. And my favorite is, like, recognize why you're crying in the first place. (laughs) Recognize you have cancer. That'll make you stop crying. Recognize that there are real feelings behind your crying that maybe you need to address. No. Um Real eventually, eventually I did stop crying. Yeah. Um who who did you tell first? So I got in a cab. I don't know why. I don't know why I got in a cab. I can't even tell you why. I got in a cab and I called my mom. And it's weird. Like I think, you know, because obviously you and I had knowledge that something was seriously wrong. Like you don't get like ten biopsies and yeah you know, sort of red carpet treatment at Dana-Farber unless you have a very serious and interesting cancer story to tell in the future. And um, so we all kind of knew, but it was funny because everyone had been telling me that they really knew it wasn't cancer. Yeah. They really knew that it wasn't going to happen to me. They just knew. They just knew. They just knew. I had a different feeling. I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong with my body for a few years. So I knew... And I think in some ways, therefore, in a good way, I was calm to deliver the news because it was, I, I didn't do a whole, I told you so, no, obviously, <laughs> wrong tone, but it was a little bit of like, well, I've kind of been getting ready for this and now I have to tell you. And yeah. so it was good because being calm about it and having gone through the process leading up to that allowed me yeah. to hold some of the shock and awe yeah. of my mom. And I think the next person I probably called was my stepmother. I think I definitely called a couple of my good friends. Um, but yeah, and then um, I couldn't tell some people. So I couldn't tell my ex-husband directly and I couldn't tell my ex-boyfriend directly. It was just too much. So I used my network to kind yeah. of get the word out in some ways. And, and that's a great idea. So yeah, I just I think it's really important to tell people about because it's too much to handle. and delegate you have to delegate the cancer you cannot tell the cancer story all the time you, you can't deal it's with people's exhausting. reactions when no. you're also having a reaction i mean i had a colleague a former colleague call up and he seemed upset that i hadn't called him until i burst into tears on the phone call because i was not sorted out about it and yeah. the reason i hadn't called him was because yeah. i didn't want to go into heaving sobs that came mm-hmm. from my gut yeah on the phone with someone who I hadn't spoken to in five months, who I loved, but yeah. not not the right time or place. Yeah. So yeah, the delegating the news is really important. And by the way, like 
my ex-husband was totally great with hearing about it that way. I think he yeah. thought it was clever and smart and compassionate and appropriate. Right. My ex-boyfriend was offended. That you didn't tell him that yourself. I didn't tell him directly. Which exactly. is, so, number one, we have to recognize that that is bullshit. You just found out you had cancer and someone else is having feelings about how you chose to tell them. Well, get used to it if you have cancer. Okay, so, so definitely <laughs> right? get used to it. And you cannot change someone else's behavior, but recognize that that is ridiculous. It is. It's important to have reality checks along yes, the way about have how checks. crazy people are going to react mm -hmm. in different ways. Uh huh. Um, you know, I remember just jumping forward a bit when my hair was falling out, having men try to relate to me about how their hair is falling out too. This is not helpful. That is adorable. Not helpful. <laughs> So anyway, people will surprise you. Um, but yeah, letting people know through others, I think, is really handy. And then I know you and I plan to have an episode about the branding of Cancer 2. Yes. Because there's the whole quandary of, do but I announce like this? like a whole episode. It's a whole episode. But you do have to make... One of the things I would say is that I was aware of, and I don't know about you, was like, I felt the need... I felt very aware to like take it slow and not try to make a ton of decisions about oh, yeah. anything that first week i mean you have yeah. to make so many decisions about what kind of a protocol you're gonna follow. and your care and your cancer team exactly. and you're meeting all these people for the first time so yeah any decisions you don't have to make there are people that you have to tell and probably your immediate family unless your immediate family is terrible and then it's up in the air but there are people that you have to tell and any decisions that you don't have to make you shouldn't make and, and i think it's so important for the people in um you know, the lives of folks that have just gotten a diagnosis to check themselves, you know, if they're listening to this, to just check themselves before having a reaction like that, perhaps yeah. take a deep breath and recognize, oh my God, this person, you know, with me, I never had anyone in my family with cancer. I didn't know, I didn't know the difference when I started out, honestly, between my oncologist and the surgeon. I really had, I had a vague idea, yeah. but the first meeting I went to was with my surgeon and I had no idea that like what role she was going to play, how I was going to see her. Yeah. I mean, of course, in the end, I've learned that like my relationship with my plastic surgeon is incredibly intimate and evolved. Uh -huh. I barely know my surgeon. Oh, I don't know my surgeon at all. Yeah. She's like, they're a little bit type A rock stars. And they're, they're like, odd. I'm sorry, but they're, they're lovely. But they're, <laughs> no, they're lovely, but they're a different breed. Well, and they are not going to talk to you. No. So, so anyway, so I guess coming back to this, though, like just to be aware that, that the person who's going through this is so friggin' overwhelmed. There is no room for them to think of anything else yeah. except this diagnosis, as it should be for the first, I would say, week to many months, depending on the complexity right. and the choices right. they have to make. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really overwhelming. And it's hard, too, to check in constantly with more than five people because who can keep up with it all? Oh, you cannot. So I have a very large family. Yes. I have five brothers and sisters, oh five stepbrothers and sisters. I have, like, I called, I decided that I had to call all of my brothers and sisters, even though I seriously considered calling one of my siblings and making them tell everyone else. Right. Although, um, is it the sibling that I like the most or the sibling that I hate the most mm -hmm. that I give that job to? Right. Um, 
I didn't end up doing that because I decided that my siblings would like go cuckoo cachoo about who I decided to tell and what that means. And that's ridiculous. But these are the things that I was thinking of. Um, I ended up calling my, my brother first and I could tell that he was holding in all of his reactions. Yeah. And my sister-in-law told me afterwards, I mean, many months, many, many moons afterwards, when I asked her specifically about it, she didn't like throw this on me. Um, she said that he was a hot mess because, I mean, this is the cancer that killed my mother. This is, you know, a really scary thing. I'm the youngest in the family mm. and hearing about this. So, um, the best people that I called were really good about like monitoring their reactions and not that they can't be devastated because of course they are they were just recognizing that I could not handle like a couple of them I actually told I said hey um it sounds like you're having an emotional reaction I cannot handle that right now I need you to call someone who can deal with your emotional reaction. Right. You need help. Yes. You need help. I cannot do it. I am hanging up now. Mm -hmm. And I had those conversations Mm -hmm. because I couldn't. I couldn't. And that's a bright spot on the inflection point, right? Because I'm always someone, too, who's, like, tried to, like, straighten things out and make them nice and package Uh them. We were just talking about languaging and how important that is. Mm -hmm. Very aware of that. And this was one of the few times where I found myself really able to be like, hey, guess what? I'm the patient here, and I'm raw. Uh And I don't want this, and I did not choose this. And it was one of those rare moments in my life where people had to come around me, not around a victory, but around something that was potentially pretty tragic. Yeah. And that's a really bright side to all of it because you do get to see your life in a different light in a different shadow too you know you really get to see it um and most people reacted like so i think that my family's reaction you know my my family over in germany my family here in america was yeah we're gonna just rally around and we're just gonna like kick it and my dad came right over like right over like that day like two days later okay because he's a doctor and he's had a mother who died of breast cancer. Yeah. And he's had many relations through my stepmother who also died of cancer. And Germans are experts at cancer. We, we burn out fast and die young. Good to have him just to vet it. I don't know that it was necessary, to be honest, but I think on an emotional standpoint to feel yeah. that support yeah. was critical. And also to have him just sort of vet it a little bit like, yeah. yeah, what he did was he actually compared the whole protocol that was suggested to me and he took it to one of the foremost experts in Germany to compare it. And that mm. was cool. And yeah. it was also fun for me to see that I would have gotten a lot more treatment. I would have gone through a whole round of AC therapy in addition to everything yeah. else where yeah. I in Germany. I know. Gak. Yeah. So that made me AC feel good. AC was pretty bad. I, that's another topic. We're getting time. there. Um, so I too had someone come out immediately. My sister, who is the closest to me in age, she was first of all really upset that I didn't call her earlier because Mm -hmm. she could have made an earlier flight. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was 8 a.m. our time. It was two hours earlier. Yeah. And I wasn't going to wake people up and ruin their day. So my sister said... I'm coming out. And I said, well, that seems like precipitous. You have kids starting school, like you have your own life. And she said, you have two choices. I can be there at midnight or I can be there at 6 a.m. That's so strong. That is your choice. 
So and I said, midnight, please. <laughs> um, but you need someone, right? You need someone who's going to make choices for you, too. Yes. And who's going to, like, wake you up, you know? I mean, who's going to, like, make sure that you get to your appointments if you can. I mean, we were just talking about that. You have to take all that care of a lot of stuff on your own. And mm-hmm. you really can't count on anyone to do that for you. But if you can just be with someone who's at least, like, riding with you, yeah, it seems really critical. So for telling people... We would say, number one, know who you can delegate. Yeah. And tell who you want. Tell who you want. Um, delegate who you must. Mm-hmm. I delegated someone, uh, one of my sisters. I was like, you call grandma. And she's oh, like, she's like, grandma is going to say, oh, I wish it were me. I wish I could take on your cancer which is really sweet of grandma but like i cannot talk you out of my cancer out of wanting my cancer no so i delegated I that i can't give this thing away <laughs> i like can't like can't put it on be like, list. no i want i want my cancer grandma i don't want you to have can't like that is just such a weird no i cannot no. do that um no. my sister said it was terrible <laughs> i bet it was awful oh my god i bet it was awful so delegate um, and make sure that you have someone to come out, right? Yeah, and just remind yourself, you know, you're not in a normal place. The capacity that you had, the, the hour before you got this diagnosis has just been reduced substantially because of your shock and trauma and the number of decisions that you have to make ahead of yeah. you. So really, just be kind to yourself. Yeah. And give yourself a ton of leeway and let people help you. Yeah. Let them help you. And one thing that will come up over and over, I'm sure, is that there is no shut in cancer. There really isn't. And there's no real role. You know, that whole pink stuff is complete bullshit. And, you know, it's just has nothing to do with it. And, and the walks. I mean, I was actually, when I found out, I called up my friend Laura. I'll never forget this. And I just was like, I don't want to be strong and brave and be part of the positive movement and have this be my next platform. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, yeah, you don't need to. You're going to have your own journey and you're going to, just like everything else, just like with your relationships, your marriages, your food, your pets, it's going to be your story. And don't let anyone try to box you in. Those people who tried to box me in fell to the wayside so quickly because they wanted a lifetime movie. Right. That's, you, you and you're not a lifetime movie. No, you got to pay for cable for that. So I, um, I told my sister, I made a huge joke about it because every time she would get like that look, that watery look in her eyes, I'm like, oh, am I so strong? She's like, yes. I'm like, am I an inspiration? She's like, shut up. I'm like, I'm inspiring. Look at how strong I'm being. Like, people say that because they don't know what else to I say. Know, I know, I know. I, I'm very inspiring, too, Anne. Um, <laughs> no, I'm the inspiring we're one. Just, we're both inspiring <laughs> people. I mean, that's the thing, too, is I kind of think it's both. Like, I don't feel, I personally, though, I don't feel. Like, when I walk into floor nine of Dana-Farber, which I will be doing on Wednesday. Um, are you going to get notch, nauseous? No, I don't get nauseous. Okay. I, I never got nauseous. I never puked through the whole thing, oh. except when I drank too much. <laughs> <laughs> you should not drink too much when you're on chemo. I mean, um, but tell your nurses about it because it really freaks them out. I'm not going to tell. 
then I had my own way of freaking out my nurses by not eating, right? They were, anyway, so. Um, it's a whole nother story. It's another tale for another time. But um, what were we talking about? Oh, so I'm going to be going in there, and I don't feel inspired at all by the people I see. I just don't. And I, I, I mean, look, I think that's cool that people do, and if it's your personal friend or whatever, that's cool. But I didn't look at myself and feel inspired. And I guess that's where it's coming from for me. So when I see women that are going through that who look like shit and they're in the middle of their chemo, I feel sorry for them. Yeah. You know, and I felt sorry for me too. Well, and when you find out about your, that you have cancer, you're right, that you really, you shouldn't put yourself in a box. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know who you're going to be. And that's fine. Yeah. You don't need to be inspirational. You don't need no. to be a survivor. A lot uh -huh. of us find that completely bullshit. And yeah. I think the media needs to get reschooled. But yeah, it's but it's so easy. It's like anything you're doing for the first time. Like I know the first time I got married, I had the most ridiculous wedding because I was just like checking the boxes. Yeah. Don't let your cancer experience be like that. You know, yeah. really recognize like it can be whatever it is. Cause and you there is happen. there's no right way. Nope. There is zero right ways to go through this um what should we call it a septic tank <laughs> a cesspool a cesspool <laughs> it really is the shit i mean it well, is like it is i i had someone that's like do you call it your cancer journey i'm like i call it my cancer shit storm <laughs> it and she's feels, like oh i like that. i would say if you like the image I had of going through something like this before I went through it was very Victorian. And I pictured myself like in a long white nightgown, perhaps very skinny. And <laughs> maybe with a cap on or something. Very Emily Dickinson. Yeah, and I pictured like all of my family members around my bed and food being brought to me in trays and all of that. It wasn't like that at all. It's a lot more like a really bad day at work where you've got to get a lot of stuff done and there's a lot of stuff coming at you and you, oh. you deal with it and you do it. And then at the end, you're just like, oh my God, I'm so That's a great tired. analogy. So mine is like, you're in charge of the circus. Uh, similar. Yes, like I get you it. have to, you are the ringleader and no one has ever any idea what's going on. No one is talking to each other. And you were in charge of making all this come together in a way that is entertaining and profitable. And it's the video <laughs> game that if you lose, you die. <laughs> it's true. Like, you really don't get a next chance. It's like no. you, have to, you have to take it incredibly seriously. And, and what I find a lot, I mean... And we were just talking about this with like, why isn't my blood draw scheduled for Wednesday? Oh. You've got to get over the anger and frustration that someone is, should be taking care of you. Should someone be taking care of you? Yes. yes. Should Santa Claus really exist? Why not? Mm -hmm. It's not happening. So there will be people that you can count on and people that you can't count on. But what you can't do is check out. I would say not check out and get over the blame game because that's just misdirected anger. Well, and it's misdirected energy. You don't have the energy to spare. You got to put all of your energy into what you can do. Yeah. Take that energy of anger because someone didn't make the appointment and go for like that one walk that you can take that week when you're in treatment, you know, or go see a friend and forget about it or go watch a really stupid movie that you love. Yeah. Um, I spent hours watching cat videos on YouTube. Cat videos are a godsend <laughs> for cancer treatment. I don't know what people did before YouTube. <laughs> The dodo. <laughs> this dog likes oranges. Yeah, you you need something mindless and entertaining and like you need a happy place. And it needs to be dumb. 
and Netflix is critical. Netflix is critical. Netflix, we should we're gonna do another podcast about media, I think, because there's yeah. one in there about how to how to deal with it. Okay. Um, but so anyway, we and were is there earlier? We yeah. Is there anything we else we want to say about the first day telling people? I guess to, my my advice would just be this: recognize you're in shock. Just recognize you're in shock and keep keep going. And just keep recognizing like, wow. Because the only thing, the only way to get through hell is to keep going, right? Keep marching. Okay. That was our second episode. If you liked what you heard or know someone who could use a cancer podcast in their lives, you can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Yeah, and if you or anyone that you know has a story um, that needs to be shared about cancer treatment, we'd really like to include those stories in our future podcasting. So please reach out to us um, either via stories at thankscancer.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Podbean at Thanks Cancer. Thank you, Mimi. Thanks, Liana. Thanks, Cancer. Wow.